Back in 1964, they launched the first Mustang, and it just boomed in sales. It had a bit of a chequered history after that. It started out as a lithe pony. That's what a Mustang is, of course. A prairie pony, I believe, or a horse. And uh, then became a little bit of a fat pig, and then became a little bit of a small joke, in a way. It has come back to some degree, looking much meaner, but they've just launched a new model. And who better to talk about it than our good friend Brent Davidson, who has been driving the car. Brent, I'm going to ask about both the looks and the sound. The looks, it really does hark back to the original, doesn't it? David, this is what I love about the Mustang. And by the way, Happy New Year to everybody. I must say that. Oh, indeed. <laughs> but, Lovely. <laughs> Let's chat about Mustang, now that we've got that, that little one out of the way. Um, yes, this is what I love about this current Mustang. They have managed to look back over 51 or two years and say, let us build a Mustang in, in the vein of that original car without yeah. actually going to visit any of the cars along the way and saying, oh, let's do a retro version of that. So what yeah. we have is this crisp feel with a, just a bit of comfort in the styling. Yes, and it's certainly aggressive looking, a big, you know, strong nose on it. Uh, the new sort of style of smaller lights down to the side there, the, the obviously the pony there. It's, um, and, of course, it comes both in coupe and convertible. Yeah, coupe, well, fastback. Let's, let's, get the, let's get our terminologies right because the coupe, the original car was the coupe and what we call the notchback, um, if we mm. want to get very, very technical. Um, so, so this is the fastback and the, and the convertible. And the, and the rear tail lights really do throw back to that. They've tried to have a, a hint at them in models past of the three uh, vertical sorts of bands of the of the tail light, but I think this one really does clearly and distinctly say, "I'm my heritage is 1964." Absolutely, and and they've done exactly the same with the nose. Yes, it's got all its modern halogen or whatever lights and slimline this and slimline that, but it mm. still has that slightly droopy mouth, you know, drooping at the corners a little bit, a bit of aggression in the grill, huge nose. You know, it's long, it's it's super mm. rugged and tough, and oh, I'm going to eat you. And and it has a little bonnet scoop that reverses back up in towards the windscreen, and you know they've, they've got it right they, they really have i mean i'm not being uh, a ford apologist here they have got it right mm. is, is it a perfect car in every way oh god no 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 it's look let, let's go back to that 1964 and a half mustang because that's what it was yeah. um it was basically uh, a way for ford to say look at us we're tough by building a cheap car based on the old falcon platform with falcon engines apart from the original v8 engine um, and, and, and that's what it was. I mean, let, let's not kid ourselves. It was essentially a spin-off from a, a, a cooking model family car, um, and it had some rough edges. Come forward to 19, uh, sorry, 20, 2016 or 2015 when it was released in the States, whatever, um, it's still a little rough around the edges, doesn't owe anything to Falcon anymore. It's built on a unique platform. It's got you know, lovely independent suspension at the front and lovely independent suspension at the rear. But, yeah, look, it's still a little bit rough around the edges, a little bit howdy-doody, a um, couple of panel gaps that you wouldn't really forgive on a Japanese car, but, you know, you let the Mustang get away with it, that sort of thing. The dashboard is, you know, the instrument panel is a little bit sort of bland, but 
it, it's functional. It's it's almost functional in a Japanese way in that you you know how it's going to work, and after a while you can put a finger out and touch a switch and know you've touched the right one. That sort of thing. So the 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 drama of the exterior doesn't quite carry over to most of the interior, but it works quite nicely. I drove one of the 1964 versions or 65 uh, not that long ago, about 10 years ago. It was like an old barge. It was you know, sloppy around the edges and uh, vibrating and things like that. Uh, it, it, but it turned heads. Well, People it, cheered and waved. I, I have a similar story. I drove a 1969 Mustang with a 428 cubic inch V8 in it, you know, seven litres. And, and I really wish I hadn't, but it looked so fantastic. There you go. A, yep, yeah, I think it does that. But, and so my second question really was, does it sound right? Well, here's the thing. It does sound right. Now, Australia gets two versions. We get, or two engine versions. We get a, a four-cylinder, 2.3-litre turbocharged engine and a five-litre naturally aspirated V8 engine. Now, the V8 just sounds like it should right from the word go. The 2.3 turbo, it's an interesting package because... It, it idles like grandma's old Cortina, but when oh. you actually light the fuse on it and, and, and wind a few revs on it, it has its own throaty burble. It has its own unique little sound, and you think, well, I like that. <laughs> and it's just a, it just comes into its own. It has its own life. A 2.3-litre four-cylinder engine in a Mustang, now it's turbocharged, that is the modern world catching up with this particular model. Uh, is it sac uh, sacrilegious? Is it is it something that will undermine an image? A mate of mine went to a Ford dealer, having had uh, V8 Falcons all his life, and said, "I want to buy a Mustang. I want to order one." And I think the orders have been fantastic in Australia. Yep. And the guy said, "Well, you know, we can give you a 2.3 liter turbocharged four cylinder." He said, "Mate, mate, I want." Detroit Iron, you know, yep. give me a V8. Yep. I, I, it, it, it's, um, you know, it is the very core of what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah, well, uh, what I want. Here's the thing, David. On the launch program, we got to drive both, and and I am still uh, a week later trying to work out which one I would have of the two engines. Mm. They both have their, their pluses. They both have their minuses. The the 2.3 litre four-cylinder engine. It's powerful enough, 233 kilowatts, 432 newton metres, and the V8 puts out uh, 306 kilowatts and 500 or 530 newton metres. But the thing is, um, as a drive package, they... The, the, the four-cylinder car feels just a little bit better balance. It's a bit lighter, and, and a lot of that weight comes out of the front end, um, whereas the V8 will sort of plough down into a corner, and, and you, you, well, you don't have to fight it, but you, you have to have a little chat with it about going around the corner if, if you're getting a bit serious. Whereas the four-cylinder car, because of the difference in the chassis balance, it, it will be more inclined to roll a bit better into and out of the corner. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it needs to fight. Um, in terms of, of uh, fuel consumption, the 2.3, the, the numbers were, were, were low like the you know, hatchback that you might have parked in the driveway and toddle off to work in every morning, whereas the V8, the numbers are going to be high regardless. Um, so look, it's one of those things, yes, the V8 sounds really, really top, 
um, the four-cylinder turbo engine makes uh, more sense in, 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 a, in a, a lot of other ways. Funny thing is, though, the order bank that Ford's holding, 4,000 cars, believe it or not, for Australia, 20% only are four-cylinder cars. Everybody wants that Detroit iron, like just, just like your mate does. Yeah, twenty percent. I think that's probably not bad, really. Well, but, uh, you're probably right. It's, it's probably not bad. And uh, what would be interesting would be if Ford offered the V6 engine, which we, which is in other markets, but not here. Um, what what the percentage would be on that too? Uh, what's the difference in price? Uh, do I save a lot of money from going to uh, by halving the number of cylinders? Well. Not a great deal. Um, you're, you're looking... Well, if Mustang spreads out. I mean, we, we, have, we have V8s and four-cylinders and manuals and automatics and all sorts of things. But when it comes down to it, you start up price... And this is pretty good, really, considering the, the iconic status of which, which the car has. 45990 for the turbocharged fastback with manual transmission. When you go right to the top of the scale with the the, uh, convertible V8 with automatic transmission, 66,490. So there's a 21,000 roughly price gap from from top to bottom. That's amazing. I I, I would have picked higher. I I would have thought that it was going higher. When you look at some of the... HSV models, which you know have some pretty blokey horsepower, yeah. considering about the Holdens, a derivative of the Commodore, of course. You know that's pretty impressive. But you know they've they've gone up to a hundred thousand yep. uh, dollars. So to get an iconic car, I mean, it's really a throwback to the when they first came in. That perhaps even a little like the E-Type Jaguar. It was exotic, yet it wasn't super expensive. Yeah, I, was... I don't know about the Mustang being called exotic. I'd go with iconic. <laughs> iconic, yeah. No, 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 I agree. But the, the E-Type was something special oh, absolutely. Without, necess- without necessarily being a Ferrari price. Exactly, exactly I'm, right. I'm not saying it should be a Ferrari price. I'm not saying that, but you would expect it to be... An iconic price, and that, to my mind, seems pretty cheap. Oh yeah, look, uh, you, you can have uh, a lot of status for not a, a lot of money with with this car. That's amazing, isn't it? I, I, I think that's good. Has it got any seats in the back? Is it uh, or a two seater? Well, it has, but you'd call it a two plus two. I mean, the, the back seat is more a, a place to put a bit of luggage overflow. And by the way, the boot's fairly fairly uh, reasonable. Three hundred and twenty-four liters on the uh, on the convertible, and, and closer to four hundred liters on the, on the fastback. But yeah, you, look, personally, I think it would be a good place for the dog dog to sit on on a road trip. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, as we've said in the past, they're really upholstered parcel shelves in yep. many ways. Yeah. Uh, but but hey, what a reasonable sized boot. I mean, in terms of going away for a nice weekend, at least you can carry something. Oh yeah. Uh, if if you take an F-type Jaguar, much more expensive, a bit more iconic in in some senses. But I tell you what, if you take a spare tire, you ain't got much room left for anything else. Exactly. And let, let's so let's just call this the um, the uh, economy sized American sports car. And that that yeah, might explain mu- it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, not surprisingly, it's it's sold a lot. I mean. Someone was driving, having a bit of a test, one of our colleagues the other day of a, a RAV4 Toyota, and the top of the range one there was $55,000. There you go. 
that would, yeah, that, that, would, that would go close to getting you into an entry-level um, V8 Mustang fastback with a manual gearbox. How many manuals do you think do they think they'll sell? Or will the most of them be automatic? The majority automatic. Hmm. Yep. And look, right. it's it's a nice automatic too. It's um it's a, a six-speed Getrag unit. And yes, I know that um, that. Uh, a lot of cars these days, we look with automatic transmissions. We're looking at um, you know, eight and even nine speed, but um, there's enough torque involved to to not make the the six speed, you know, uh, noticeable. And and particularly in the V8, it's all extremely linear because you've got huge torque reserves. And and talking about torque reserves, even the um, dare I say modest, which it really isn't, 432 newton meters from the from the EcoBoost uh, turbo engine, um, almost all of that power, that torque I should say, is there from about 1800 rpm. Yeah. So you're never missing out on a whole lot. It was it's only if you happen to drive into the Northern Territory where you have some unrestricted roads that you'll probably really notice the difference. That and the fact that in a, in a dead-on acceleration run, the V8 will get up to speed a little more quickly than the than the turbocharged engine. But not much. I, I mean, it goes back to the Falcon when they had the big V8, and uh, they also had the turbocharged six. It was the turbocharged six, which, like you're saying with this one, which is a four-cylinder, uh, the balance of the car is much better. That the, the heavy, big Detroit Iron V8 up the front tends to mean you've got to muscle it a little bit more That's right. in the corners rather than finesse it. Yep, yep. I mean, look, the, the, the difference in weight of the engine isn't that much. They're both aluminium engines, uh, and, and the, uh, any weight advantage from the four-cylinder is sort of overcome a little by all the, the, the turbocharger and its, it, its associated plumbing. So the engine is actually about around about 35 to 40 kilos heavier, uh, sorry, lighter than the, than the V8. It, it's, it's the other components, like the, the, some of the uh, structural components can be lighter too. So they've, they've pulled off a kilo here and 500 grams there and, you know, another 100 grams somewhere else and, and, and got that 70 or 80 kilos weight uh, difference. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very clever. It's very... I've used the word finesse in terms of driving, but in terms of design and construction, there's a lot of finesse in that as well. Exactly right. I mean, Ford are, are even using a, an electrically assisted power steering system. I mean, you know, hey, well, welcome to the new century, Ford. <laughs> <laughs> very un-American. Very un-American. <laughs> I... I, I I've said in my things that uh, if, um, next week we'll talk about what I'd like to see in the future, and that's Ford to be able to sell some cars. Uh, they can do it moderately well with big cars, and this is, I guess, a big car. I hope it rubs off into some of their very good little cars as well. Absolutely. That would be a nice thing to see, wouldn't it? Hmm. Brent, geez, it's good to talk to you, mate, and lovely to have you back again this year. I'm sure we will catch up on many occasions. Thank David, you, David. I'm time. sure we will, and as always, it's great fun. It's, it's my pleasure. That's Brent Davidson, our good colleague here on Overdrive, talking about the new Ford Mustang that's now been released in Australia.